We are SC Podcast. Gary Pasquitz joined today for a special uh, discussion on the defensive backs. Uh, joined by Daryl Rideau and Chris Hale, two former cornerbacks here at USC, and uh, we're kind of going to break down what's going on in the secondary right now uh, because there's a, a, a lot of attrition these days, but a lot of good play going on as well. And, and so let's start off getting things going. Start off at the, the spot that you guys know well, and that is the cornerback position and the guy who has probably been the best cornerback for the Trojans this year, and that is Iman Biggie Marshall, yeah. uh, a guy from Long Beach Poly High School, your school, Daryl, and uh, a, a guy who's been kind of, I want to say, a controversial uh, figure, if you will, through his career. Uh, there are a lot of Biggie fans, and there's a lot of people who are saying, hey, we, we need a little bit more from Biggie. Right. So we kind of want to get the truth from you guys on what you're seeing this year because uh, I, I think everyone would agree Biggie has had a good senior year. Um, raised his game up from where he was. Daryl's smiling right, right yeah. now. Daryl doesn't think so. But, but, but well, <laughs> one person who really doesn't, so I'm interested to hear what Daryl says against this, is what Clay Helton said last night in his uh, media call. And Daryl, he said Iman Marshall is having an All-American type season. SMH. Okay, if you're on Twitter or texting, SMH stands for shake my head because I don't see it. Okay, now, full disclosure, Biggie is from Long Beach Poly, and I'm the biggest Long Beach Poly apologist. Any, any jackrabbit who's playing corner, I'm going to support you to the end. But because of all the hype that Biggie came in with and his technique coming into USC, I had very, very high expectations for his ability. And at times, I just feel like he falls short to his abilities. A lot of times when you listen to commentators speak about uh, Biggie Iman Marshall, they talk about his size and his aggressiveness. Okay, But his aggressiveness sometimes gets puts the team at harm and at risk. And that goes back to technique and eye discipline. When Biggie's eyes are in the backfield, he starts to grab. And when he grabs, it's like Velcro. All of a sudden, you start to detach and remove yourself when the receiver starts to peel away, and you become a target. And at times, those penalties tend to hurt the team. Now, don't get me wrong. From a size standpoint, he has NFL caliber size and skills. But that skill set doesn't always translate into clean, consistent football. So I'm a little surprised for Clay Helton to come out and say that he's having an All-American-like season when, at best, He's probably Pac-12 honorable mention, and that's only because of the fact that the penalties at times outweigh key production. Wow, that's saying a lot. Well, I, I got to go uh, in another direction because I do think he is uh, much better than being an all Pac-12 honorable mention player. Uh, you know, yes, we know that Biggie has had his problems in the past as a, a as a defender, but the growth that I've seen out of Biggie Marshall this year has been amazing to me. Uh, personally, what I do think, though, yes, he can be a little bit aggressive, uh, and I think that's good for a corner. You can teach from there. Uh, I, I do think that uh, Biggie Marshall has been the one that they've wanted to put on the best receiver for everybody uh, who's who they say at on a, the opponent's side that is is their, their receiver. So I do appreciate that out of him. Does that make you an All-American? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think, though, however, that Biggie Marshall has played a, a very big role in being very consistent on this USC defense. Right. Probably the most consistent defensive back that they've had this year. And probably, uh, if I were to say, is he an All-American? Um, I think he should merit some votes as to being an, an All-American. Okay, but, but, but if, if Clay Helton is deeming you an All-American, 
then why aren't you lined up on a week-in and week-out basis on the, on the best receivers. Now, one argument to that would be the system under Clancy Pendergast, he prefers his corners to remain left and right. But when, when opposite of Biggie is so anemic and there's such a carousel of corners coming in and out, how much of the stats that Biggie have are skewed? And, and if we were to read some of the stats off, um, 26 tackles, four deflections, one fumble or one forced fumble, at this point, you know, he's still waiting for that first interception for the year. But against key receivers like Harry from Arizona State, if you looked at the stats, it showed he had a very good game, only one catch against him. But Harry was primarily lined up opposite of Biggie because if you're not going to flip him, most teams are going to showcase or highlight their key receivers. If you're going to keep your best receiver on one side of the field, they're going to flip it to put the matchups in their best favor. If you're an All-American caliber Defender, why aren't you mirroring the best receivers, well, sure, Chris? I, I, would, I would agree with that. But you said it yourself. You said Clancy prefers one corner to be on one side and one to be on the other side. And if, certainly, if that's the point, the Arizona State coach or Utah coach or whoever it is in this conference is going to put their players in a very good – yeah, that's good coaching. You're going to put him in a position to, to free himself up. And so with that being the case, the assignments that he's been given – as a corner, he has done very well. And like I said, yes, he is a little bit overly aggressive, but I love that out of a big guy who's at least six foot one with long arms. That means he can that means he can D up your receiver on that side of the field, and you can work on the other side of the field. And pretty much that's what he's done this year. Okay. The, 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 the hard part has been coming from the other side of the field and how coaches are working on them. Mm -hmm. But as far as Biggie Marshall is concerned, I think he's done a fabulous job at corner. Well, well let's keep things in a perspective. Biggie oftentimes will play the wide side of the field or he's deemed the right corner. And oftentimes the right corner in defenses are lined up against the split-in receiver, the receiver on the line of scrimmage versus the flanker or the Z receiver off the line. And so when you're, on a split, when you're going up against a split-in receiver, the routes that you're typically going to see are deeper routes. They're going to be slants. Uh, they're going to be fades. Sometimes you'll get a curl, but maybe a post versus some of the combination routes that the other side is seeing. More action, uh, curls, hitches, slants, outs, and goes. Um, so how much of his production is skewed based on the fact that he's up against a split and receiver? Or is it just his dominant play that's causing teams to go away from him? Well, just the fact that you said that they were going to the other side lets me know that he is a person of interest for the offense to go away from. And so they're finding out that the weaknesses are on the other side and they're going in that direction. That lets me know that you're a good corner. If I had Deion Sanders on a team and he was on one side and I had a whole bunch of other guys that nobody knows about, I'm going to go to the other side. And so that lets you know how valuable you are. And as a corner in the NFL or in the NCAA, you, you realize the, the value of being able to shut down one side of the field. And the only thing, the thing I would add to uh, segue away from Biggie is uh, to say, you, you mentioned, a little, I don't know if the word was uncertainty, or that you, we haven't really been set at corner opposite Biggie. Um, we've even had to move a, a Jane A, the one guy we thought was set in the slot, have had to move him back to safety a little bit. But once Jack-Jack left, uh, 
you know, over the summer, it, it just hasn't seemed like things have really settled down. Um, so let's talk about that, what we've seen from, okay, we've had Isaiah Langley out there. We've taken a shot at Greg Johnson. Um, you know, and we've had Lockett come yeah. back now. Elijah Griffin in, in Elijah spurts, Griffin yeah. has definitely uh, played his part, has missed the last couple of games. So let's talk about what you've seen from that group yeah. uh, in their opposite of Biggie. Uh, opposite of Biggie, uh, again, what you're looking for is more likely an off-man corner, a guy that sees the field and understands and recognizes route combinations, can read a three-step drop, or in this case when the quarterback is, 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 um, is at depth, who, who can read those route concepts and be, and be in position to make plays. We have not seen that with consistency, and as a result of that, they have been targeted. But when you talk about of the, of the defensive backs that are rotating over their opposite of, of Biggie, Isaiah Langley, Greg Johnson, I think it's time to start looking at the other two alternatives. I would look at Jonathan Lockett, guy out of modern day, exceptional um, off-man cover skills. We've seen it in practice at times. When healthy, he, he's a th he can be a force uh, to create turnovers. I'd love to see him lined up opposite of Biggie Marshall, off-man. At the very least, a healthy Jonathan Lockett will give you serviceable minutes, and he'll keep uh, receivers in front of him. If Clancy wants to run more pressure, man coverage, flip him. Put Imam, um, put Jonathan Lockett in the slot and a J.N.A. Harris. Move him from where he's been playing as after the last two games at safety. Move him to corner. You trust him. In his career, he has six interceptions, three of them for touchdowns. I'll take that athleticism any day opposite of him because that's going to give you the Jack Jones type of athletic diver uh, diversification that you're looking for if you're going to play man coverage. Now, where does that leave your safety position? Well, you still have a young, very um, um, somewhat experienced C.J. Pollard who you can plug in at the, at the safety position opposite of Marvell Tell. With that lineup, you talk about a J.N.A. Harris opposite of Iman Biggie Marshall, Jonathan Lockett, you can win with that combination. Maybe first and second down, you keep Lockett at the corner, and then you, you put a J.N.A. at the slot. But on third down, that money down, and you want to run man coverage, you flip those two. I think you can win with that, that lineup. What do you think, that Chris? Competition. And, and, and I agree with you on a whole lot of points there. And I do agree with the fact that you have to play C.J. Pollard because he might be one of your most experienced safeties out there and yes the most athletic guys have to go to the corner spot depending on what you call depending on what kind of blitz package you you want depending yeah. on what kind of zone you want they have to know whichever coach is calling the plays they have to know which guys are going to fit in what situation uh whether you play zone or man and so i agree with all those moves actually uh, and one of the other reasons why it's time to make an aggressive or bold move like that is because your, your defensive line is starting to heat up. You got Christian Rector coming off two, two sacks in the middle, JT, uh, Jay Tufele is really starting to heat up. If you give those guys an extra step by virtue of just being in position and, co and forcing that quarterback to hold the ball a, a half a second longer, that might be the difference between the pocket collapsing or interceptions. Yeah, and the, but the only thing I, I – I, uh I think about is just the fact that it was Oregon State last week. So right. I'm not sure entirely whether they're trying to heat up or not. I, I, I do want to see them uh, be more physical with a team that's better than them. So this Cal game is going to show you what that front line is really going to do. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a fan of finding out with, with your secondary what you can do in zone 
first before I go man because I, I got to know that I have athletes out there that all know what they're doing. And see, the other thing about this defensive secondary is just a fact to me is that they, they all have a lot. There's a lot of inexperience back there. And I think they miss plays based on their inexperience more than anything. And so what you have to do is just be solid in the back, keep people in front of you, and then you can decide whether or not you want to go man-on-man. Man. And it's one of the things I, I – the point about inexperience versus experience and athleticism is what I like about the Ajane Harris thought. Yeah. Ajane is just one of those guys that, you know, hey, put me out there, coach. Yep. I, I got it. You know, yeah. and I feel that way about Ajane. Right. I mean, people forget he was an all-city quarterback right. who led his team to the city championship. Um, I do think he is one of those guys. And did anyone really notice how, you know, you guys notice as yeah. defensive back. But when Ajane got moved back to safety, did the average fan notice? It was seamless. I, I mean, the production, it wasn't that big of a drop-off. And in some cases, you I would argue that from a depth and range standpoint, he gives you versatility back there. But... We, we, Chris, you just talked about it. The sample size is small because it was Oregon State. But Oregon State did some things to exploit the inexperience in the secondary. They, they, they went to bunch. They went to <laughs> they some. They going to put up numbers. This is the Oregon State team that still averaged over 30 points a game. Right. It, wasn't, uh, uh, it was their defense that hurt yeah. them more than anything. But, but Chris, when, when, they, when they went to those bunch sets and, and those stack receivers where it, it required um, communication, that's where the inexperience lacked. And that's where you exploit a young secondary. A the young secondary. You have, uh, and it, that hurts for the pros, too. It does, think yep. It's just a, yeah. in college football, it hurts the pros, too, to be able to get in a stack situation and be able to find out or figure out which guy yeah. has to go in which direction. And then let me ask you about the Lockett factor, because I, I, I share your appreciation for Jonathan Lockett. Always have. Um, and so if we have a chance here at the end of his career to yeah. kind of fit him back in if he is if he is healthy enough, is he, if he is able to do it, I'm in favor of that. I'm not knocking Isaiah Langley, yeah. but I, do, I am interested in seeing what can Lockett do back See, there. See, Jonathan Lockett to me reminds me a lot instinctively like Kevin Arbett. Late in Kevin Arbett in, from, from 2001, early 2002 before he got injured, when Kevin Arbett was moved to the slot position, it changed the dynamics and complexity of our defense because his instincts against Arizona, I remember him picking off a ball, ran it back to the house. He changed the dynamics of, of how we were able to move things around. Lock it at the corner position from an instinctive standpoint, his experience uh, accompanied with the J.N.A. Harris there's a communication right there. These are guys that have been in the program that are not thinking. Oftentimes what we're seeing is guys coming off the sideline into a game, maybe they're running quarters, which is the fourth of the field, which requires you after a certain um, distance, maybe five, eight yards, to declare. That's a lot of thinking for a corner that just wants to lock in and zero in at the receiver and figure out what he's trying to do. That's what we've been seeing a lot of that uncertainty with Greg John, um, uh, Johnson and, uh, and uh, Isaiah Langley. Yeah. They make a mistake. They look at the sideline. All of a sudden, they're just worried about their own technique. I don't think you get the sense of that with the savviness of a Harris, uh, a Jane Harris or Lockett. Those guys are comfortable in their own skins, understand what they do well, can and understand the leverage points of where their help is coming from. Well, they've been in the system for a while, right. and so that's the hard thing about that. When you get those young guys out there and you put them out there on an island, it's very difficult, and then they're looking back at the coaches because they have to both realize what they're doing in this play, how fast the speed of this play is going, yep. where they have to be. So that takes time, and you know that as well as I do, Daryl. That always takes time for these guys to be able to try to – 
come back and understand what they're going to have to do in a game. And then different things come at them. And yeah. so that's why they're looking at the sidelines because they're not entirely sure what to do. And so once they get a little bit more used to the system and where they need to be, things are going to be easier. Now, now I would say this. One of the things, because the defense has been so inconsistent, and if Clancy were to consider allowing Biggie Marshall to move with the best receivers – that may actually take pressure off of whomever is at the corner position. I, I agree, and, and, and 100% against Arizona State, I think he should have shadowed Nikhil uh, Harry yeah. for the game because you look at it, and let's say this, let's even go back, Chenault as well, before he got hurt over yep. at Colorado because these are, these, are, these are wide receivers that are six foot four, 220 pounds. And Biggie Marshall, it, it, we know the matchup. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the kid at Stanford as well. Sega Whiteside. Sega Whiteside, yep. And so these are matchups that are meant for him as a senior, as a guy with size. Yeah. It, it would make more sense than anything. The other thing is, too, that the defensive calls have to be correct as well. You've got to put them in the right situation right. as well. So, and I think about uh, Texas right away, third and five. You get a stop route. Janie Harris is off about eight yards. Yep. Backpedals. Uh, wide receiver catches the ball, and he takes it another 45 yards for the touchdown. You cannot it, be it, off. It's, it's really feast slot. or famine. Yeah. Right. And, and what we're seeing is uh, an, a, pre, a greater appreciation for Enchin uh, Nwusu. What he was able to do last year with all those deflections had more to do with his, al his alignment and depth that he played with. He, he tended to undercut those slant routes, those hot routes. Yeah. The, 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 the outside linebackers right now and those edge rushers are hovering around that line of scrimmage trying to give themselves an edge that they fail to realize that by aligning with depth, it's actually protecting the corners. So when we say feast or famine, it's because the line of scrimmage is crowded with defenders, and there's oftentimes a void in the middle of the that, field. That's called instinct as well for yeah. these linebackers. You have to have the right instinct to be able to get to that pattern and, t and take that away from that corner. If, if a corner doesn't have to play a slant route, he's much better off playing lesser routes than anybody. So that yeah. makes that makes a lot of difference for those guys. But, but Gary, if USC is going to have an opportunity to run the tables now that uh, Clay Helton is 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 uh, taking over duties as a play caller, and we've seen that he's picked up from 2015 um, in, in terms of demonstrating his veteran leadership and experience as a play caller. Um, if the team is going to have success, the defense is going to have to be held accountable for getting off the field on third downs. And as much of a part of that is the play of the secondary, I think you also have to look at, like you talked about, just consistency across the board. The alignment and disguises, you know, um, the, the secondary recognizing pressurous situations when they can be aggressive in jump routes versus where they have to stay on the upfield shoulder. That consistency has to start with practice and, 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 and then build on into a game situation. Fortunate for the Trojans this week, they seem to play exceptionally well at home. There's this comfort about being at home. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see what secondary shows up. Well, let me ask you this. Okay, going back to the safety spot. We obviously know what Mar Marvell Tell is going to give us. He has been a pretty solid element uh, back in the secondary. But the spot next to him, boy, that has been a revolving door. Bubba Bolden, Ikeeli Ross, Isaiah Polamau, you know, and then we, we, we thought we found Talanoa Hufanga. He gets hurt. Um, and when we see, we've seen a little C.J. Pollard right now, and we've seen a little of Jaina Harris going back. 
how do you guys see that playing out these last three games uh, to try to solidify <laughs> it, that? It, it's health. It's it's health for those guys. And and, and Hufanga, when we watched Hufanga play, he looked a lot more like uh, Troy Polamalu than anybody had ever seen yeah. in the last few years. Not it's to not say that the other guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm not throwing that around lightly. So we saw that aggressive nature out of that position. And, and so what you'll see is uh, C.J. Pollard, I don't think is that kind of corner. You have to play for the type of corner that you have on the team as well. I right, in terms so of safety, C.J. Pollard, safety, yeah. yeah. Safety at C.J. Pollard, you, he's not that kind of corner. He's right. not going to come up and, and smack some guy in the face right at the line of scrimmage. I think he's more of a cover uh, cover safety yeah. or, or a safety that needs depth and be able to read. And he needs the experience as well. But, but Chris, what's interesting is when we've, when we've seen CJ, it's been in blitz pressure packages. It's been in spurts. Yeah, in spurts where they feel very comfortable with him hovering around that line of scrimmage and, and, and really kind of causing havoc. But – it depends on what you are trying to do to shore up your defense. If you're going to put the onus and focus at the corner position and take our recommendations with maybe, you know, uh, experimenting with a Janie Harris and, and or Lockett, then you plug in C.J. Pollard. And I'm almost of the mind that with more reps, comfortable knowing that he is, he is the guy, yeah. I think you're going to get some very good production out of him. But when you're coming off the bench in spurts, you're almost like a relief pitcher. Yeah. You can be hot or cold. Yeah. And that's what you're getting from that position right now. It's such a carousel, and that's a position of feel. you got to be on the field, recognizing depth and alignment, and, 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 and that's what we saw from Talano, Talanoa Hufanga that I really appreciated. The more experience that he gained – I mean, he was a vet I, on the I set that last he was, game he played in. Yeah, I just think he was a very aggressive safety, and and, and you and that's instinctual. You yeah. know, like I said with Troy Polamalu earlier, that's instinctual. That's not just going out there and playing. That's just being in the right place Chris, at the right yeah, time. Yeah, Chris. You, when you talk about yeah, Troy that's, being that's, instinctual, that's hard to teach. it is. Yeah. But when you talk about Troy being instinctual. Troy would have a feel for the game, and because he had a photographic memory, he could recall when we went up against a team twice, their cadence, what they called, if it was the same quarterback, the audibles. And he would hover around the line of scrimmage and upon snap, jump over a guy to try to sack, which yeah. we saw a lot of in Pittsburgh. I recall a time when Troy did that. Pete came into our, into our, um, our meeting room and said, Troy, what were you thinking? What, what, what did you see? And he said, well, I remember... The quarterback checked into this two years ago, and I figured, okay, they were going to run the same thing. Okay. Pete yeah. had no answer for that. Pete had no he had no answer for that. But yeah. then he looked at Jason Leach and Deshaun Hill and said, the exception to the rule. <laughs> and so I think C.J. Pollard is a different kind of safety. Right. And so he is more of a cover safety, a hovering safety. Yep. He will make plays at the line of scrimmage, but he's not necessarily as aggressive as Kuvanga. Uh, Chris Hawkins-ish, more so, more, more so like that, mm. that kind of style. Not every corner, not every safety is alike. Right. You have to play these guys based on what their strengths are as well. It's not just I'm going to throw a guy out there. So going back to Biggie, yeah. if Biggie's your number one corner, you put him in the position to be the number one corner. To be the number one corner. And then then I will crown the you status. the All-American status. Yeah. That? Exactly. But I think it's fool's gold sometimes to say that, well, my numbers are good. Well, they're skewed relative to how your secondary is playing as in whole. Yeah. If, if the opposite of you is being targeted and you're not embracing that challenge, it's hard for me to crown you All-American. Now, for the records, because I know that I'm president of the Biggie Hater Club, uh, according to some, 
Biggie has far more gifts than I would ever, I was ever blessed with. However, well, he's tall. He's tall. He's thick. Yeah, but, but, I would embrace every challenge, and I would line up against anybody. Whether you were Reggie Williams at at Washington six four, or you were um the, the Mike or McDonald um at Arizona State when I played in the in the late two thousand or early two thousands. My point is this: if you're if you consider yourself to be an All American. Accept the challenge regardless of what your coaches are saying. But if you make it easy for your coaches to concede left and right, then you're just kind of falling into a rhythm that is fool's gold. Yeah, and we, you know, we all know that Clay is one to pat his players on the back, and yes. and he's uh, he's always going to be one to give yes. uh, the benefit of the doubt to one of his team players. So I understand it. Uh, I'm not sure if he's necessarily as good as Bill, but I do think he had a tremendous year. And I think he is going to be, if taught right, I think he's going to be a pro. Yeah. Ten-year career. Ten-year career is what Daryl said. Okay, let, let, let's just end this lastly. Uh, talking about looking ahead to next year, just taking a stab at what we might think the uh, starting lineup might be in the secondary next year. We, we're we're going to have Elijah Griffin. Yeah. Um, you know. Okay, so so you you talk about OG Elijah Griffin. I think that when when you think about his game, his athleticism, versatility, I think he's more athletic than Jack Jones, uh, uh, with the the um, ball skills of a Dory Jackson. I think I think he fills yeah. in into Biggie's role now as the the number one corner. Opposite of him, can be a guy that we haven't seen yet. Isaac Taylor Stewart. Isaac Taylor Stewart, another long, rangy, athletic corner, That assuming that Clancy will continue to run man-to-man. Okay, um, in that rotation, if you're Greg jo uh, Johnson, you have to figure out who are you going to become during this offseason and use the last three weeks of this year to get on film some clean tape so that you can go into spring ball with confidence. But since there's a lot of body of work left, uh, I, I know we talked about a lot about uh, Lockett and uh, Jane Harris, but they're not on this roster next year. Okay, so if you have a healthy Elijah Griffin, OG, I think that him opposite of Biggie, I would have loved to see what that looked like the whole year. But since we haven't seen it, um, I, I think you have you definitely have uh, Griffin at one corner. Isaac Taylor Stewart, I'm curious to see what he manifests into. But then there's a couple of, um, um, I, I, I think, Shoring up the safety position will also take pressure off the corners. You you, you talk about um, Hufanga, Palamoa. Yeah, yeah, that's your two bookends for the next few years. And now you're starting to talk about the likes of of the greats that played the safety position uh, in, in years past. You know, um, McDonald. Um, well, you know, let me ask yeah. you this: Do you put do you put carrier? Do you put uh, and Hufanga? They're both listed as strong safeties. No, do I, you I put think one at at, at yeah. three. Palomalo, Palomalo. I'm sorry. I think you move him to strong safety. Hufanga moves into um um uh, Marvell tail spot right now at the free safety, at the free position. safety position. But because they're both strong safeties, when there's action in motion, you seesaw them. And they're interchangeable in, in terms of what what production you're able to get from them. But from what uh, Hufanga showed us, he has range. And I trust uh, Palomar in the box a little bit more at this point. Well, here's here's what I see. Palomar. I see Greg I see uh, Greg Johnson as a freshman. I see uh, Is he Hufanga a redshirt freshman, Gary? As a freshman. Yeah, he's a redshirt freshman. Okay. Well, still still yeah. a freshman. I see Palomar 
as a freshman. And I see Elijah Griffin as a freshman. CJ Pollard is a sophomore, yeah. which is the senior of that group. Right. Yeah. You have a lot to choose from you do. coming next year. You still don't know what you have coming in as a freshman because we're realizing now that freshmen are playing a lot yeah. more in college football. Wow. And so you could have one or two more to fill them in with depth. For, for, for years and, to come, I, yeah. you're, you're talking about arguably the best secondary in all of the Pac-12 moving forward that's going to be gaining uh, valuable much experience. valuable experience this year. You know, I, I, I think the the cupboard is full when, when, when you talk about the talent in the secondary. Yeah, I, and I forgot about uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart, oh. who is also a freshman. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's his size? Um, and, and so I you think he's 6'2", 205. Come on, man. So who could also grow. Winning, winning, uh, winning so many of those fastest man competitions at the National Combines. Wow. 6'2", with speed. And that's what I'm saying. So you talk about could also be your man-to-man -man, uh, coverage or man-to-man -man corners. I would also like to see this secondary with that size maybe adopt, go back to Pete Carroll's philosophy and how he teaches the press technique because a lot of the larger size corners are benefiting from that kick step, pure step. We're seeing it out in um, in, in Florida with, uh, with the big-time corner um, – uh, play, playing for the Jags. Yeah, for the Jags. Oh, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, you know, uh, uh, Richard Sherman. Those bigger corners are benefiting from that speed release, kick step, pure step. Seattle has been doing that forever. Seattle has had those big corners, but they've also had great linebackers, and they've had people that come up and rush a quarterback. Uh, the secondary, to me, is always secondary when you're talking about a defense. I think the defense starts at the, at, at the front of that line. Uh -huh. That defensive line is where it all starts. The secondary can cover just a, a few seconds longer. They're very aggressive. They're all young. If they're being taught right, they can be in the right in there in the right position. They can be a very solid secondary. And what you look for from the secondary is nice hits, coverage, and to be able to create some turnovers. They've got to be able to create some turnovers, which we probably haven't had that much of this year. And so, but the the building block in which you have with all these freshmen and sophomores uh -huh. is uh, the upside is great. And I also say that about the front line. Uh, when I look at some of those interior defensive linemen, uh, when I look at Christian Rector coming back next year, um, wow. I, 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 I see good, yeah. good, good things ahead for uh, for the defensive front. But, but, okay. but now you talk about Christian Rector in his natural spot replacing right, Porter, uh, Augustine. Porter Augustine. Boy, it, hasn't that been a difference? It, it, it has it, been it, because the way that he's been used up until now, he's been just to get him on the field. He's been playing out of position in the interior parts of the D right, line, right. moving around and really just not say, settled and anchored. I think that over the last three weeks is going to give you a sample size of what's to come for him next year. And uh, the future is bright. So appreciate it, guys. Good discussion on the secondary and uh, like where things are going back there in the back end uh, for the Trojans' defense. So for Chris Hale and Daryl Doe, this is Gary Pasquitz. You're listening to the We Are SE podcast.